Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth for Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Truth for Your 20s podcast. Today we have a special treat, my new friend Rachel Gilbert. I met Rachel because we are part of a mastermind together, but Rachel specializes in a lot of interesting things, especially when it comes to the subject of mental wellness. So she's going to unpack a lot of things for us today surrounding this topic, body image, our relationship with our phones, and all kinds of other goodness. But Rachel, can you you just kind of introduce yourself and tell all of our friends who you are? Yeah, well, Katie, thank you again for having me on the show. I just love that we, our paths have aligned. And, and you know, this part is always hard for me. Like, how do you introduce yourself? Yeah. I, could, I could sit here and I could rattle off all the things that I do. I'm a wife. I'm a mom, a business owner. I am uh, about to graduate as a marriage and family therapist in grad school. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, I am just another woman who has walked through some hard times and has learned a lot in the process. And I really just love cheering other women on. I see, I just, there's nothing that brings me more joy than to see the gold in women and to say, oh my goodness, I see this in you. Let's pull it out of you. And, um, you know, part of my, my podcast that I do is I equip women to get real, live free and pursue their God-given dreams. And part of that real is exactly what we're going to do today is getting real about some of these hot topics that aren't always talked about. Yes. And your podcast is super popular, by the way. You guys go check out Real Talk with Rachel. She has real talk and it's really good stuff. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, of course. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of dive in, right into it. When it comes to a relationship with our phone, this is such a interesting and fairly new topic. You know, we don't have decades of research as we do with a lot of other mental wellness type things. This is all kind of new and growing by the day. And I first want to say, that social media relationship with our phone, you know, it's not all a bad thing. We're in the middle of this quarantine time. And I think all of us find ourselves on our phones a little more than normal to connect with people. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, social media is so bad. It's not all bad. It's an opportunity to connect. But of course, like any addiction, it can get us totally sucked in. So I guess, can you just kind of talk to us first about I guess we're going to talk about social media first. What is the relationship with social media and then maybe going into body image? How do our phones and all of these likes and all that stuff, how does that mess with our brain? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a big question. Do you have any information on that? Yeah. How much time do you have? So here, yeah, no, right? let's unpack this. You know, it always comes back to what's lying at the root of why we're reaching for things. Uh, because like you said, social media is a great thing. I, I, 
shoot, I keep in touch with you through social media, you know, yeah. like I got to know you and, and some of the different, I've made some really good friends in the online space and they've become in real life friends. And, and then it's just a powerful tool. And I like to kind of refer to social media and even our phones as a vehicle. And it is just that it is something that can get us from point A to point B when we feel like, oh, I'm supposed to go maybe do this thing or be present here or, uh, you know, serve in this way or get this message out. But the problem is when we start worshiping the vehicle as though it's the identity as opposed to it's just getting us from point A to point B. And so I think that the first step in, you know, as a counselor, the biggest thing, you know, for for yourself as a counselor and whenever you're uh, talking with a client is self-awareness. That's the basic ground level of everything that you have to have self-awareness. And I think that the problem with social media at times can be we are utilizing it in our phones for more reasons than we realize. For example, if we get some disappointing news, most of the time, most of us have been trained all of our lives to not deal with our emotions because we have been mm-hmm. taught a lot of times, hey, don't feel that way. That's silly to be sad over that. Or, you know, just we've heard this from multiple arenas and a lot of people are actually just scared of emotions. So I'm kind of throwing a lot at you right now, but let's break this down. First of all, self-awareness. Okay. What do I do whenever I get triggered? Right. We call that a trigger. Whenever something happens, an emotion rises up and you're kind of triggered and it makes you feel a certain way. And some people really just stuff those things. And so, you know, I know for myself, social media and my phone definitely is, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about body image as well. It used to be food for me, but now it's now social media. And so here's the thing. If we don't get to the root of things, that's why we'll just keep replacing one addictive behavior with another. So mine used to be uh, food and um extreme dieting and over-exercising, well, now it's social media, you know? And so, but if I don't get to the root and uproot that root of what's actually happening, which is those emotions not being dealt with, then that's when, okay, I might get rid of one addictive behavior, but then I'll probably just pick up a new one. So that's kind of a lot. Feel free to probe me. No, on this is so things. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm right. I'm taking notes. This is so good. I love what you said. It's self-awareness because it's true. I have found just recently I deleted, um, I'll, I'll delete Instagram like about once a week just to kind of have a, a fast from it, just get it out of my brain. It's my, it's my social media of choice. And then when I upload it again, it's in a different spot on my phone and I find myself just thumbing, you know, like to that normal spot that is, it's being so unself-aware, not even realizing I'm going to that app, you know? So I thought that was super interesting that you said that. Um, and the other thing is I'd heard somewhere, someone said that our phones can sometimes become, and I guess specifically social media can become like a, a pacifier for adults. So when we don't want to deal with real life, we'll just scroll, scroll our Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And I thought, I thought that was an interesting way to, you know, qualify it. Yeah. Well, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, that's why some people do emotional eating is because I don't know if you've heard of this before, but part of why people do emotional eating is because if you think about it, the very first thing we learn to do as humans is we, you know, we use our mouth to comfort ourselves, right? We got milk somehow, whether it was breast milk or whether it was from a bottle, you were using your mouth. And so that's why emotional eating will come. Well, that's the exact same thing, just like you mentioned with social media and our phones, 
it does become a pacifier. And we just, we're all wanting comfort, like we're all wanting this safety net. And especially, you know, right now uh, with the pandemic and everything, we're all clamoring for things that make us feel safe. You know, that's why the first, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but that's why people clamored for toilet paper. It was like, I just at least want a lovey, you know, I just, I want to at least feel like a human being and don't degrade me so far that I can't even wipe my own bottom. You know, like I know that sounds so silly, but our human nature, we just have that instinct in us as we want to feel safe and comforted. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Is there correlations between say, say an average person, I have no idea, spends three hours on their phone versus 10 hours. I'm making these numbers up, but are there correlations in your research, like with counseling and stuff, like the more time you spend versus not and anxiety and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. I could. Um, in fact, it's interesting you asked me that because I think it was a couple semesters ago I had to do. So it, being in grad school, you have to do a lot of research. And so I'm probably it, the the thick of the re- most thick of the research that I ever will be. But um, yeah, I did a paper on that topic of how much time that we spend on our phones and, and particularly social media in the correlation between anxiety and depression. The percentage of increase is through the roof. Um, I mean, again, if I had those articles right in front of me, I could give you exact quotes, but it's just seriously astronomically increases. And there's multiple reasons for that. Partially it is, you know, again, think about it. Just think about the absurd, um, how absurd this is. You're in a bad place, right? So you get devastating news. Let's walk this scenario out. I get devastating news. Maybe I got fired from my job or a boyfriend broke up with me or, you know, something like that, or a friend didn't invite me to the party and I'm sad, right? Oh man, that's bummer. So let's go scroll Instagram. Oh, and now that I'm on Instagram, let's go see. I'm now seeing pictures of this party that I didn't get invited to. All right. So we're just literally reinforcing that negative feeling that just came on us of sadness, um, overlooked, maybe a little down. Then I get on Instagram and it just confirms to me, oh my goodness, I am a loser. (laughs) You know, all my friends are out doing this other thing and I didn't get invited. And so it's reinforcing. It's just this negative cycle that we're getting reinforced in there. And so that's one element of it is the whole comparison thing. The other element is there's actually a scientific thing that's brain chemistry that's being altered. We are human beings. We were never meant to stare at a screen all day long. It, the actual, again, there's studies on this, the, the light that is happening that's, you know, being delivered into your eye and then into your brain that's actually messing with the chemistry of our brain and it increases depression. Uh, We're just not outside as much as we used to. We're not out taking walks as much as we used to, you know, and so there's just a multitude of factors that are happening when we try to cope using a piece of technology. Oh my gosh, this is fascinating. In your studies, is there a magic amount of time or is there too much? I don't know if that's, I'm sure there's a lot of factors, but I'm curious if there is like, okay, wait, I hit my limit. I got I got to quit. Or do you yeah, know? I honestly think it, again, it comes back to that self-awareness uh, to, yeah. to candy, try to, to uh, make a cookie cutter answer for everybody is, is pretty tough because everybody does have different levels of what they can handle. I think it's probably way less than what we think. The problem yeah. is, um, you know, in trauma, for example, there's usually four different ways people cope. And one of the ways most people cope is by numbing out. And that's the problem with social media in particular, again, is that we numb out. It's, and, you know, really emotional eating, a, a lot of addictive behavior behaviors fall into numbing out. If you think about it, alcohol, um, you know, food, 
pornography, all those things really fall under this of, I just want to numb my feelings. I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. And when we find the thing that helps us to not feel what we should be allowing ourselves to feel, because here's the deal. It's not fun to feel the feels, right? (laughs) Like there's a reason we avoid it because it's not always fun. However, if we don't allow ourselves to feel those things, it will express itself somewhere. Like that's just... It's going to come out. It just may not be in the best way that we would have liked it to be if we had actually just allowed ourselves to lean into the feeling. Oh my gosh. I'm like taking all kinds of notes. I find this is so fascinating. I know it is. Um, I could study it all day. (laughs) No, it's so interesting. Okay. And I've heard rumors in like in certain countries that some social media platforms have gone away with the likes. And I don't know. Do you know anything about that? Like, I'm curious. So, you know, you spend all this time, you edit it just right and you get this picture and you only get like 15 likes or something versus, oh my gosh, look at me. I'm so popular. I got a thousand likes. Are there any correlations? Like, I'm curious what that does to our brain, if you know anything about that. Yeah, well, and I've already seen this on Instagram. I mean, it's interesting. Not all accounts happen. So, you know, my husband and I are both on Instagram. He is on, honestly, he's one of those weird people, not weird. He's not weird. He's awesome. (laughs) But weird social media people who he does not ever post. I think he's made one post, but he's on there one to see my post. And then he follows some some funny meme accounts and like, you know, like just like seriously 10, 15 people kind of a thing. Um, So, but for me on my, if you log into our Instagram accounts, they look different. So mine actually is already doing that where it just says, so it doesn't say how many people liked a photo when I look at Instagram myself. Um, but then him, it still does on his. So I'm not sure what's up with that. So I'm already seeing that happen. But to answer your question on um, what what was your exact question? Well, just I'm curious, you know, people are like, oh, I'm such a loser. I only got 12 likes, which, you know, could not have anything to do with your posts. There's timing. There's a million different answers versus I'm the coolest person ever. I got a thousand likes. Like we're, we're relying on strangers we don't even know to tell us our worth. And if we take a step back and think about that, it's bonkers. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just curious, you know, your take on that with your counselor background, how, how we're interpreting these strangers approvals or disapprovals of our picture, you know? Yeah. Well, it's an identity crisis because really, if you think about it, you know, we think the problem is, well, I just need to figure out how to get more people to like my stuff, right? I just need to learn how to, if I could learn how to be Insta famous, then my life would just be roses and I would be happy and everything would be going well in my world. But the problem is, even if you got a million likes on one post, if you all of a sudden feel fulfilled, there's a problem there. You know, like there, whether you have one like or a million, there is a problem in resting our identity. That's literally like telling other people here, my life is in your hands. Tell me the way in which I should go, you know, and if you validate me, then yay, I'm a success to society and all the things. But if you don't validate me, well, then great. I just have no meaning. Uh, And, you know, this rolls over to more than just social media. This is literally the uh, people pleaser thing. It's the it's the fear of man versus the fear of God. And so, you know, even if you were to be in an environment, think about this for a second. What if there was 10 of us in a room and I told you guys when something 
think about something you'd post on Instagram, for example. And what if we were in a real life room of 10 people and I held up a picture and was like, hey guys, look what I did last weekend or whatever. And only two of you in the room were like, oh, that's so cool. And the others of you just didn't even look up from what you were doing to listen to me. You know, it, it would... It really, when you think of it that way, it is so interesting because it makes you realize how much we are just sitting on, it's almost like we stick ourselves on this little pedestal and we're like, somebody validate me. And again, it goes back to that root of, okay, even as a kid, if you didn't feel validated, most of us take that then into our teens and then our 20s and then our 30s and then our 40s. And, and you know, for those of you who are listening, I know um, many of you are in your 20s listening today. I just want to tell you, break that off right now. Like don't, if I could go back, you know, I'm, I'm only in my 30s now, but if I could go back to a decade, I would say, oh, sweet girl, the opinions of other people does not matter as much as you think it does. Like don't, if that is such a heavy burden to carry, to wake up every day thinking your mission is to get people to like you, that is a very heavy burden. And what it does actually is it squashes your voice. It squashes what you really could bring to the table. Because if you think about it now, I'm bringing to the table what I think people will like, not what I want to bring to the table, you know? And so like just... Just and it is honestly, um, it's a process. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy to just not care what people think. Like that's a process, and I think it can be done in such a graceful way. And I have to tell you, the more that I find my own voice, and I say, you know what, this is who I am. This is the unique uh, voice and giftings that God's given me, and I show up as that. People are drawn to that because it makes them scratch their head and go, "How is this girl really just?" like being herself, you know, and not, not editing it, not, you know, worrying who all liked it and who commented and did all these things. And so there's so much freedom in that. And when we walk in that freedom, we, other people are drawn to us because of that. I love this. I always say, if I ever become where I can't speak to sorority girls anymore, I would love to talk to women about finding their voice. Cause I think that matters so much. And I became, I just overcome about 4,000 pounds of insecurity. I mean, I was the girl who didn't talk at all. My mom, the teachers asked my mom when I was younger, if I like could actually even talk, like I was so quiet and just, you know, became overcame so much insecurity. And I'm still 100% on this journey, always telling myself to look to what matters instead of, you know, strangers like approval, stuff like that. But you mentioned a little bit this, are there practices, are there tips from the counseling world? Like how do we, you know, as 99% of Americans look for validation from <laughs> the stranger world, which is so bizarre when you unpack it. I love what you said about that living room, like three people like it and the rest of us are ignoring you. That's, that's a really good example, but are there tips and tricks to not care about what people think? If there was, you could bottle it and sell it for a million dollars, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, um, some of these tips feel super simple, but I do think that they matter. I think the first one is back to the self-awareness thing. I'm a big fan of personality assessment tests. So uh, you, if you have seen one out there, I've probably taken it. In fact, I took a course this semester in my class. It was literally the name of the course was called assessment. And we learned all about the different tests. And, you know, the reason this is so powerful is because the more you get to know yourself and how you function and how you think, it helps you to understand how the things that you are gifted at 
all kind of tied together. So some of my favorite is are is the DISC personality test, the Enneagram, Myers Briggs, Strengths Finders. Those are some that you can just get online. You know, most of them they, there's free ones out there. There's all kinds of books and resources, but those are simple ones. And you know, when you take all those and you start to see how they all kind of play together. So for example, on the Enneagram, I am a nine, which is a peacemaker and you know, I used to, Katie, I'm the exact same story as you. All my life, I was always the quiet girl, the shy girl, the girl who didn't say anything. And, and, you know, it was because I was always just thinking, I don't have anything to bring to this conversation. You know, I really, and I wasn't, I still to this day won't overpower people in conversations. You know, when you're in a group of people and there's always that chatty Kathy, I won't overpower that person. I'll wait my turn. And we all know that if you're a wait your turn talker, you normally don't get space to talk, you know, if you're in a group of people who like to talk. And so I was always observing though. And in that observing, it made me a really good listener. And for the longest time, I thought, man, I'm just like a bump on a wall. Like I could, nobody would even know I'm here if I left. However, what I started to recognize was because I'm such a great listener, when I finally get a chance to talk, what I say usually is pretty valuable. And I don't mean that in a, let me boast on myself way. It's in a way of, as I've gotten to understand my personality type more, I understand, oh, okay, my personality really lines up with this. I don't need to butt in and be the center of the conversation. I can seriously do what I love to do, listen to people. And then when there is a chance for me to share, what I share is so much more valuable than if I had just been yammering my mouth the whole time. So all that to say, coming back to your question of, you know, how do you start to just really, you know, identify with your own your own voice and, and not care what people think? And whenever I say I don't care what people think, I do not mean that in a, well, I'll show you kind of way, because I yeah. see that kind of messaging out there. We're like, you know, for lack of better words, well, screw all of you, you know, like forget you. I'm just going to say what I want. And I don't care if I hurt feelings. That is not what I'm talking about when I say that. I mean, the more you understand yourself and the what makes you tick, what your love languages are, like every little thing. And I know it feels weird. I think most of us feel a little bit strange to kind of explore ourselves, but it really is powerful because then you know more what you bring to a table. And so then I can recognize very clearly when a gifting that I possess would really be beneficial to somebody or to an organization or even in job interviews, you know, to be able to know yourself this well, even in a job interview to be able to say, oh, hey, I have, you know, I am a a D, what, you know, whatever you are in the disc, like to be able to tell them that you know yourself and you know how you function means a lot to people because it also means you know what you have to say no to. I have been uh, invited to do things that I knew it did not line up with my personality. It didn't line up with my giftings. And the only way I would have known that is just to to explore myself. And then the fun thing is once you start to get to know yourself better and you start to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things, then your confidence rises up because you see, wow, I saw my gift really operating powerfully in that moment. It would be a real shame if I were to pretend to be like somebody else, because there have been so many times I've had the thought, man, I wish I was that that outgoing, you know, if you know the Enneagram, you know, or, or I wish I, I wish I was an eight, you know, I could just take charge. And, um, on the Enneagram, that's the challenger. That's the person yeah. that will, you know, get things done and get out there. And, and I've had the, I used to think that a lot growing up, like, man, I wish I was like, so-and-so even my, my older sisters are that way. They're, a, they're, you know, 
no, they're not afraid to talk to a stranger. They'll they'll do all the things, but they lack something that I have and that's being a good listener, you know? And so I just yeah. think it's so interesting that when we all rest in what we're good in, it really completes a beautiful picture. And can you imagine a world full of just big, you know, not big, um, people who are, you know, bold and, and a little bossy maybe and and um, always wanting to take charge? It, it, would, it would not go well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just goes back to, you know, we're all different parts of the body. There needs to be an ear and a, and a foot and all the different things because if we were all mouths, <laughs> yes. all chatty, that would be a disaster. Hey guys, you know me, you know my marketing background makes me super passionate about the dollars we spend and the impact we make with every single dollar, which makes me so stinking excited to talk to you guys about solo eyewear. They are really cute eco-friendly sunglasses. So they're kind to the environment. They're kind to your eyes. And guess what? Every time you buy a pair of these sunglasses, you are helping to restore sight to someone who might not normally get the opportunity to have an eye exam. Like with a pair of sunglasses, you can do all of that. Holy cow. You, my truth for your 20s friends, get 20% off with every purchase of solo eyewear. So the summer's coming up. You're going to need a new pair of shades anyway. Might as well get some help restore sight to someone who might not normally get the opportunity to have an eye exam, change the world, buy some cute glasses, and save 20%. Just head on over to solo eyewear and use promo code truth at checkout. What I want to kind of transition to is body image. I know you you talk a lot about this in a good way and have a lot of really good information. And body image, social media, it all kind of ties in together, looking for likes from strangers. I don't know. Can, can you just give us some of your your best tips and tricks and all the things when it comes to this tricky subject of body image? Yeah, I love this topic. There's so much to say about it. And in yeah. fact, I did a last summer, I did a, a biblical body image series on my podcast. If um, Since I don't have time here today to share my entire testimony, if you want to listen to that, you can. But, you know, I just feel like this is such a hot topic because you hear so many conflicting messages around this. You know, you think about image. It's like really just how you're viewing yourself. It really starts from a very young age. And it, a lot of it is shaped by our upbringing. Um, you know, what did other women do in our lives? What were we kind of taught uh, about body image, how, the level of importance it has. There's so many factors that goes into this that uh, it, it really is an unpacking of sorts. And so if you're listening today and you feel like, yeah, the word body, most people know just even hearing the phrase body image, it it strikes a chord in you. You, you kind of already know, oh yeah, that's me. And I would just encourage you if you're listening to this, that if that strikes a chord in you, don't be afraid to just lean into what might be kind of coming up for you as you as you look at this and man I'm just trying to figure out the best way to That's unpack okay. this because there's like there's a big subject well if you wouldn't mind though just kind of giving us a little bit I know that you struggled um, with the eating disorder is that right would you mind sharing a little bit about that yeah you know and so for me and eating just my eating disorder uh, it was never officially diagnosed as one but now that I and in fact um, I'm actually specializing in this in my graduate work I will be doing my internship at an eating disorder clinic and um, my eating disorder is never diagnosed and that's why many women um, actually have eating disorders that are never diagnosed because our culture, 
uh, really welcomes behaviors that are disordered. And so we aren't even aware that it is disordered. And it it comes back to, um, as far as my own story, I, I, I really developed an eating disorder in high school. And then, um, so mine was binge eating, um, and then also over-exercising and a, a bit of anorexia. Um, and then, yeah, and just kind of cycled through those three, three things for me. But it was interesting. It was never diagnosed because honestly, I had friends who were doing it all with me. It felt really normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in such bondage to it. And mine didn't come into the light until I was pregnant with our um, our first daughter. And then that's when it be- came into the light that I had problems and needed to get some help. And I feel like, again, it comes back to this identity thing because we're told you need to look a certain way. You know, same thing as how we were just talking about, you need to act a certain way. Your voice should sound a certain way. And that is the biggest issue that I see with getting information from the outside in, like social media and different things. Again, you guys know I'm a big fan of social media. However, sometimes I'm like you, Katie, I have to take a social media fast because I will start to shape what I think I should look like both physically and with my voice and sound like based off of what everybody else is looking like and sounding like. And that's a real problem because we're basically beating our body into submission. We're we're telling Mm -hmm. our body, you need to look this way. And it's almost like we're at war with our body, right? Like it's really and truly, you know, God gave us this body to use as a vehicle, just like I mentioned earlier, like social media, it's a vehicle. It gets us from one place to the next. Our body, it's just that. It, it is. It was never designed to be something that we worship. It's literally called a temple in the Bible. And um, if you think about it, we don't worship the temple. We worship what's in the temple, which is God, right? And so, oh, so whenever, whenever, the, whenever we had this shift of mindset that, oh, the temple is the thing we should worship, and we became, began idolizing our bodies, well, it's no wonder we feel all this pressure to make it be beautiful all the time and, and look a certain way all the time. And um, we just carry this undue pressure. And I've also equated it to this. I think about this. Whenever I am, imagine you're standing on a, a bathroom scale, right? And you're addicted to weighing yourself every single morning. That used to be me. And you look down and You are literally telling the bathroom scale, just like we talked about earlier with social media and the likes, you're saying scale, you get to determine my identity today. You get to determine my worth. You get to determine if it's going to be a good day or if it's going to be a bad day. You're literally putting your life in the hands of a scale or an eating program or whatever. And so instead of now having my eyes lifted to where I'm supposed to go that day, the things I'm supposed to do. Maybe uh, maybe I'm supposed to, um, you know, maybe my path was going to align with the friend that I was supposed to speak life over. But I didn't even see that opportunity because I was still staring at that scale from that morning. Because those of you who have struggled with this, you know how real that is. That When you step on that scale and maybe you gained a pound after you had been busting it all week and you're like, what? I've gained two pounds? How is this even possible? You know that the rest of your day, you walk around and you're still staring at that scale. You might be in, in, in groups with people, you might be out doing things, but your mind is still staring at the scale going, what happened? How did I gain two pounds? I don't, I guess I'm going to have to really start myself this week. Oh my goodness. And your energy, your power is literally just being zapped into 
how do we control this thing? And it's a vicious, vicious cycle. Oh my gosh, this is so powerful. Okay, you talked about this a second ago, but I'm looking at, you have this really cool free download on your website. Give a shout out to your website. Is it rachelgilbert.com? Yes. Yes, rachelgilbert.com. Okay, so on her website, you guys, she has this free, um, just cognitive behavioral therapy skills. So basically a, a tool for managing triggers. So when you have addictions. So can I just like walk through like a typical addiction and we can just kind of how to how to go through it from this uh, handout that you have here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's just a one-page handout. It is, yeah. if you go to rachelgilbert.com forward slash thoughts, um, because I know not everybody can remember cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, sorry. That's, that was a- <laughs> yeah, that's, well, no, that's that's kind of nerd language. So it, as therapists, we'll just refer to it as CBT. But yeah, um, I just did it thoughts because I was like, everybody knows thoughts. So we're, we're getting okay. to the root of your thoughts. We're going to we're gonna simplify it there. And yeah, so it's a one-page download because um, I did an episode on my podcast called Real Talk about my Instagram addiction. <laughs> Uh, and that was at the end of last year sometime because it, it got ugly. I'm not going to lie. Like this is a thing. And again, I, I, my heart is always just to bring awareness to these topics because we are all walking through this together. We're all uh, struggling through it together. And I think there's so much power that happens when we just bring things into the light and say, Hey, this is a struggle. I struggle with it. And then you can raise your hand and say, Oh yeah, I do too. And we can walk together. So for this, um, on this worksheet, there's a couple blanks there. And the first thing is that you write down what the addiction or the behavior is that you want to change. Now I recommend only choose one because if you're anything like me, of course I have multiple behaviors that really I could change, you know, I'm like, Oh, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this, but no, you need to focus on one at a time. Cause if you focus on more than one, it's just overwhelming and you it, it's, it's much tougher to change more than one behavior at a time. So first thing you do is say, Hey, okay, let's, let's just go ahead and use, since we've been talking about social media, let's use, yeah. let's say, Hey, I have I have this issue. I am on Instagram way too much. I don't even like how much I'm on there. I know I'm using this to totally cope with my, uh, you know, unhealthy other things that are happening in my life. And so in the top blank, it has a space for you to write down that addiction or behavior. And so you just write down my Instagram addiction. Um, and then the next step is that you recognize. So you basically identify which circumstances lead to using or doing this addictive behavior again in the case of Instagram. Sometimes it's just boredom. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just, you know, um, we're just so used to reaching for it first thing in the morning or letting it be the thing that lulls us to sleep at night. And so then you write in that blank, you know, maybe it is boredom, maybe it's depression, uh, maybe anxiety, maybe, you know, you- Yes. There's so many, so many things, numbing, avoidance, all those things. So then you write that in there. And then, um, and then the next step after you recognize is to avoid. So this is remove yourself from trigger situations whenever possible. So here's how you do that with Instagram. Exactly what Katie just mentioned, delete the app off your phone. If you can survive a day, awesome. And then maybe you can do the two days, you know, it is, and it's just like, um, it, it is this thing of just trying to retrain yourself to stop reaching for it. Or maybe it's, um, it, maybe with this, it's not necessarily de- deleting the app from your phone. Maybe it's keeping your phone in the other room. If you know that nighttime is when you struggle. Okay. So you do great all day long and then nighttime move. That's when it comes in and you want to spend three hours scrolling when you really should be getting a good night's sleep, right? Um, So then we need to say, okay, then the 
a behavior I'm going to avoid, I'm not going to put my phone by my bed. I would have to literally get up, walk to the other room and stand in the kitchen by myself to be able to scroll, right? You know, that makes it really a lot harder to to jump into that temptation. Um, and then the final step after all, you know, you recognize those three things. And again, there's a place for you to write these things in. And, and why I, I know we're all digital now, why I made a printable is because there is power. Again, there's literal, there's scientific articles that I could email to you that talk about the power of us using our hand, getting your favorite pencil or your gel pens or whatever you love and writing these things out and then even sticking this somewhere where you can see it and be reminded, oh yeah, that's what triggers me. Oh yeah. You know, it's like just, it's just right there in front of you. And it's not in a form of technology, especially if technology is the thing you're trying to overcome. You need to not have this thing on technology. You need to have it in a paper, good old fashioned paper and pen so that you're not using the excuse of, oh, well, I'm just, I'm looking at that worksheet on my phone. Oh, but you know what? While I'm here, let me also go check. (laughs) into my ask me how I know this because I've done this myself. So I'm not, I'm not coming on a soapbox on this one. Um, And then the final thing is that you'll use those uh, cognitive behavioral, I'll I'll call them CBT techniques to address and alleviate the emotion. So um, we call this TFA. And so here, I'm going to say a really powerful statement here. And again, it's written on the worksheet, but I want you guys to hear it. Your, your root or your thoughts affect your mood and your mood affects your behavior. So your root is the thoughts, your mood is the feelings, and the behavior are the actions. And this is why so often we try to change the behavior, right? And so a lot of us will just say, oh, I'm just going to get off, you know, Instagram or get off the thing. Well, okay, that's great. You changed the behavior, but you did not change the thoughts or the feelings. So that's why we think, okay, I think I'm ready to download that app back onto my phone. And we go right back to our old ways. Yeah. Why? Because we did not address the thoughts or the feelings in that. And so that's the other really, really, really crucial part of this is you have to get, it's that whole self-awareness thing. You have to address the thoughts that are happening and then the feelings that take place after that thought comes. Okay. I find this is so interesting. You know, obviously I sleep downstairs with my husband, but sometimes he gets up at 5 a.m. to work out and I'm not interested in that type of alarm clock going off. (laughs) (laughs) So occasionally I'll sleep in the guest bedroom and I, so normally my phone is charging in the kitchen, uh, far away from the bedroom. Don't, don't deal with it. But if I sleep in the guest bedroom and I'll charge my phone right there and I'll find myself scrolling and it's such a simple little thing, but that's so true. If I find myself in there, I'm scrolling all night because it's conveniently located. So that simple little thing, I didn't even think about how I find myself scrolling if I'm in that room versus if I have my phone charging in the kitchen. So yeah, that was that was so good. Okay. And then, like you said, it, we can take it away, but it's just getting to that root. Is there like a time period or is there, um, I heard it, you know, it says takes 21 days to, to develop a habit. So say for example, we delete it from our phone every Sunday for 21 days. Does that fix it? Or is that just, there's something deeper to it? You know, and it's funny because experts now argue if it's 21 days, they're, they're now saying it's longer. I think Um, it also depends, you know, think about, for example, how long have you been doing the, the habit that you're trying yeah. to change? You know, and that's why, again, every person is different because if this has just been a problem for you for six months versus six years, you know, there's a little bit of a difference yeah. there because it's kind of like somebody who decides, you know what, I'm giving up sugar because they know it has just become a levy for them and they're sick of it ro- rolling their, their life, right, in their health and it's taking a toll on them and, and everything. And so you think about it is you are going to be replacing that behavior 
with something else. And so if if the behavior is not replaced with something that's healthy, again, like I mentioned earlier, we're just going to be replacing that bad behavior with the new one. Um, Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I delete the Instagram app, then I'll, I'll, hey, guess what? I like Facebook again. What do you know? know? (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. Oh, how about Pinterest? I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, I'm not even kidding. This is, that's a real life thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I just have to like, turn off my phone or something. I don't know, because I just will find mine really is, that's what I discovered about myself. So, you know, I did this thing on the Instagram addiction and I really tackled that behavior of mine. And then, like I said, I noticed, huh, it's not just Instagram, it's the phone, period. (laughs) Like I will just find other things to do on my phone. And so again, it's it's that whole levy. Me personally on my phone, I have, um, if you have an iPhone, you can set all kind of app limits. And even, I don't know if you get your updates at the end of the week where it tells you your average daily spend, which makes me want to cry, especially over this pandemic time. I was like, oh boy. I don't need your opinion. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. You You can keep those numbers to yourself. But, um, but it's honestly, you know, the reason I do love to, again, come back to self-awareness is because I don't know about you, Katie, but I have had multiple times in my life where I wanted to really do something. For example, I want, I want to write a book. I'm in the process of that right now. And I've had the argument in my head, I don't have time to write a book. There's no time in my week to write a book. And then I get my little alert that comes in on Sundays of how much time I spent on my phone. And I was like, huh, there is some time in my week to write a book, you know? And so sometimes we, we say we don't have time for these things that we really, really want to do, you know, even exercising or whatever it is. We, you know, we say, oh, there's just not time. But really, if we were being honest with ourselves, yeah, there is. We just need to be better managers of our time. Oh, my goodness. Preach, sister. I know one time. I took, uh, I did this two years in a row. I took the whole month of December off of Instagram and I'm like, oh, you know, no big deal. I'm just such a, so disciplined with my phone. Meanwhile, let's not talk about how I picked up Snapchat and, you know, <laughs> Facebook. So yeah, you're like speaking to my heart right now. I'm like, dang it. So true. Yeah. Um, but I just turning that booger off and, and another th- powerful thing you said is replacing it with a healthy habit. We, you know, take stuff away, but we can put something in there healthy. And I think that that's really powerful. So instead of reaching for that social media app, I don't know, going for a walk outside or hanging out with your family or, I mean, I don't know, are there, I guess you can fill in the blank depending on what you need to do, but this is just something I heard the other day, but to develop a habit, you put it near something that you're already normally doing. So for example, um, every time I go to the bathroom now, I do 10 push-ups. <laughs> Because I'm going to have to go to the bathroom and and that's a good way to work in the push-ups. So I'm just thinking out loud here. I wonder if, you know, every time I want to reach for that and and giving yourself an allotted time, we're not saying you have to turn it off. We said at the beginning, social media is a powerful thing. But for example, if you've already been on there two hours a day, maybe it's like, you know what? I want to get on, but instead I'm going to read a book or maybe, you know, something that you want to replace. Just thinking out loud here, but does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it also helps to schedule social media time. So this is something I'm trying to do more of. And first of all, I want to ask just some questions that I think are good for you to ask yourself is, first of all, why do you want to be on social media? Um, Is it for fun? Is it uh, like in my case, it's a little bit fun and it's also business. You know, my husband and I are business owners and I run different things online. And so 
uh, for me, I can easily slip into the temptation of the business needs me on there. Well, let's be honest. I was scrolling for fun, right? Uh, So, you know, first of all, address, is this fun? And then that way, or is it business or is it both? And then that way, you know, so for, would I, if it, if it really is 100% fun, which that's fine. If it's, if it's 100% fun and relationships, that's great. But then keep in mind, would I allow myself during a normal work day to sit and just have fun for three hours, right? You know, when I should be working. And so if I can first identify why am I getting on there in the first place? Is it for fun? Is it for business? And then if it's for business, let's flip the script. Um, In my case, should I be working at midnight? No, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like just really understanding, okay, so when I get on right now, I'm allowing myself 15 minutes of fun. Great. That's great. Go connect with your friends. Go connect with your family members who you haven't seen in forever. Like, that's awesome. I don't want to downplay that at all. Cause like I said, I, I have, that's why I love social media. I love connecting with people. It's fun. But, um, so once you've identified then, okay, we're going to have 15 minutes of fun or, oh, I'm going to hop in and do 30 minutes of work and actually work when you're in there, you know, don't get, you know, caught up, you know, chasing rabbit trails. I'm, I'm the queen of doing that myself. So I think, you know, knowing why you're on there, first of all, then once you're on there saying, okay, every day at noon, I'm going to get in for 30 minutes and do whatever I need to, especially if you're doing this for work and, you know, really get in there and set boundaries. Cause I will tell you if you're using social media for any kind of business in particular or uh, anything, you know, maybe if you do blogging or anything like that, as your platform grows, more and more people reach out to you. And if you don't have boundaries now, you never will. (laughs) Um, And so people, you, you really train people even your friends, honestly, you train people how quickly they should expect to hear back from you. And I don't ever want to train people that I am, I am at their beck and call 24 seven. You know, if you need me, you reach out through social media. No, because honestly, my family is the only people in my life that gets that kind of privilege of of having me access to me 24 seven. Outside of that, it's just boundaries that will for sure lead to burnout uh, all the time. Um, So that's one practical thing. And then the other thing that I would say is whenever, Katie, you asked me what types of things could we replace it with is yes, do good, you know, positive things, like you said, maybe a walk and things like that. But also be aware of what you're avoiding. Uh, Because I know for me, and this is again, personal experience that I think people can relate to. Sometimes I'm getting on there to avoid conversations that need to happen in real life. (laughs) You know, maybe with a friend uh, or, you know, a spouse or a coworker or whatever. Sometimes the people that I need to be connecting with are actually in the same room as me and I'm just avoiding it for some reason. Oh, you're speaking to my heart. I had a customer, um, I do t-shirts and stuff like that. And we had a, um, a customer whose t-shirts didn't turn out right. And so it's a, always a very frustrating process. And so it's a conversation I didn't want to have. Um, and I'm like, or I could just go to social media and I'm like, I am totally avoiding right now. And so just that self-awareness of I'm going to have to have this conversation. It just putting it off. Isn't going to make it go away. Um, Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. That's so good. Speaking of my heart, you're giving me therapy right now, my friend (laughs) and all of our friends listening. I'm sure I am going to try and wrap a little bit of this up. I would love for you to share some resources. You have a lot of really cool stuff online. We mentioned this rachelgilbert.com slash thoughts is this cognitive behavioral therapy just kind of help you work through those thoughts. Are there other resources, books, blogs that you can recommend? This is your time to shout out all the good stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, obviously just going to rachelgilbert.com, and my name is spelled a little funny. It's R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Um, there's all kinds of things on there. One other freebie that I offered that people really like, it's just a short little download workbook, and it's called Three Steps to Overcome Fear and Pursue Your God-Given Dreams. Um, and that one you can get at rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear. So, um, but again, all that stuff's right there. And my my podcast, Real Talk with Rachel. And yes, I am on Instagram at Rachel J. Gilbert. <laughs> and I am working on boundaries, but you can for sure find me there and send me a message and connect. I would love to connect there. <laughs> Rachel's the real deal, you guys. She's awesome. I think that you will love her just like I do. And you have really cute pictures of your real life on Instagram. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, Okay. And then you kind of said this, but I would just love to give you another opportunity. If you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? First of all, I would look that girl in the eyes and I would just tell her she's enough the way she is right now. Uh, She does not need to hustle. She does not need to strive. She does not need to try to perform for people's love or for God's love that she is just seriously enough the way she is right now um, to relax, to enjoy the journey. Don't wish away time. Don't wish I can't wait till such and such happens. Just enjoy the journey and have fun and just lean into those gifts that God has placed within you um, and that the right doors will just open at the right time and to be patient in the process. So good. You said this earlier and I wrote it down, this lie of if I then, if I have a million followers, if I have a boyfriend, you know, if I, then you'll find happiness and that's all a lie and you can find happiness or fulfillment or whatever it is right now. And you just kind of mentioned that again, talking to your 20 year old self. And I just want to point that out because as people who are older than you, our 20 year old friends just know that there's not a magical rainbow waiting, you know, when you're a magical age or hit an income number or hit whatever it is you're looking for, but you can find that happiness right now. So I just wanted to point that out. That was beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. You gave so much wisdom, as I knew you would, and I'm so thankful for this conversation. Thank you for having me on. If anything resonated with you, it would mean the world to me for you to just take a screenshot of this episode and put it up on your social. Every time someone does this for me and tags me at Katie Bulmer Life, I happily reshare it. And you guys, I was just looking last time I did this. There was like 50 sticker taps for the person who shared it. So you guys get some Insta love. We help this podcast to grow. Everyone wins when you help spread the message of something you loved on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing with your friends. I hope today that you got some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) and our work here is done